You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Namrata Patel from Mint's personal finance team, and in this episode of Why Not Mint Money, we will be talking about overseas education loans. Hi, welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. In the last few weeks I read about the Indian students stuck in Ukraine due to the war as soon as they made the treacherous journey back to India they were all worried about completing their courses and the huge amounts of money invested into going overseas for education like them every year lakhs of students from India take overseas education loans and go abroad to study so let's talk about the financial aspect of going overseas for education we have with us today Ankit Mehra co-founder and ceo of Gyandhan Hi Ankit, thank you for joining us today. Hi Namrata, thanks a lot for having me on this podcast. Welcome to this podcast, Ankit. So, over the past few years, Ankit, the number of students going overseas has increased drastically, and so has the number of students taking loans to go abroad. According to you, what are few of the important aspects students must keep in mind while taking an education loan? Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, we've seen students in Ukraine facing a lot of troubles. So, I think the first thing that every student should take into consideration. is the fact that what is the cost of education and what would be the return on education because that is very very critical irrespective of whether you're taking an education loan or not now coming to the education loan specifically there are two things that people need to broadly speaking consider one is what are the terms of the education loans and second what is the speed with which they can get the education loan now what do i mean by the speed is the ability whether i can get a loan in the right amount of time or not more importantly to begin with let's look at the terms i think there are a lot of factors to consider for a student who is looking for an education loan but if i had to simplify it it really boils down to two or three key factors one is what is the interest rate that is being charged on the loan are you getting a loan with or without security what is the repayment period like because a longer tenure can mean that you can make the education loan more affordable the last thing that you need to consider is potentially around are there any additional benefits that you can get from that loan and when i talk about this i'm specifically mentioning about the taxation benefits that you could get which could Im- implicitly reduce your cost of loan because if you get a loan from an indian bank then you can avail the section 80e benefit which can reduce your tax liability so i think broadly speaking these are the terms whether it be the interest rate plus so the total cost of loan and then translating into over what tenure do you do you need to repay the loan do you have to make repayments during your period of study or not those are factors that you would have to consider and once those things have been taken into consideration comes the key aspect of whether this lender can help me get the loan in the easiest fashion or not right and i believe the interest rates are also very high and students must keep in mind about the high interest rates when it comes to overseas education loans yes you're very right about that uh, so to be honest there are two kinds of loans that you can get one is a loan against security which is offered by a lot of indian banks there the interest rates are relatively lower at around 7 to 9% when it comes to unsecured loans the loans can be as high as 12 to 15% range and that is where it might seem too high but we need to realize that it is essentially an unsecured loan and so we need to understand it from a start and that's why i go back to the initial point that i made around cost of education and the return on education because at the end of the day education loan is an investment in your future 
So if done well, it's actually a great product. Right, and I believe even you know a lot of um, lenders give you a lot of leeway in the repayment as well. You don't need to start repaying from the day you start your course. You can start repaying once you get a job or once there is a substantial period that has passed after the end of your course. Yes. So most of the lenders typically allow you what is called a grace period, which is the moratorium period. So during your period of study, and for a period of six to twelve months after you graduate. You're not uh, you're not ne uh, necessitated to make any loan repayments. This is specifically true when it comes to loans against security. Even when you're taking loans without collateral, what happens is lenders, depending on your profile, will allow you the option to either make interest-only payments or even make lower payments than the interest payments required in your period of study. Why this is important is because this helps allows you to have that level of independence when you can actually repay the loan on the basis of your ability once you graduate. Right, and since you're speaking about collaterals, Ankit, if I may ask you, how does a student decide whether they should take a loan with collateral or without collateral? Sure. Um, so again, uh, this has always been a individual choice. Uh, Depends varies from individual to individual whether you want to be independent or you want to have you want to have the benefit of a lower cost, but you might want to take uh, your parents' property as a collateral or not. But suffice to say, the trade-off really is around: Hey, are you willing to uh, provide an additional amount of property as a collateral to get the benefit of a lower cost? What happens and what we need to understand here is typically uh, all uh, when we look at who are the lenders providing loans. So if I had to bucket the segment. This category, there are Indian lenders and typically all the public sector banks and some private banks who offer only loans against collateral. Now, if you compare it to other Indian private banks and NBFCs in specific, they provide collateral free loans as well. Let's take an example of a student who has the property. He or she has an option of saying, hey, I can avail of a loan from an SBI at a lower cost of rate. I don't want to take a loan from another NBFC or a private bank at a higher cost of rate. Or even from an international lender. Compare that to a student who doesn't really have the property. A student is smart enough and has the ability to increase his stature in life by getting an additional education qualification. For that student, specifically the loans without collateral are the only options available and he or she should actively explore those options rather than uh, trying to figure out how they would be able to get a low-cost product which is just not possible for them. Right. And talking about lenders, as a founder of Gyandan Education Financing Marketplace, can you tell us what are the options a student who is looking to take a loan to study overseas has? Sure. At a very high level, there would be Indian lenders and international lenders. As I briefly alluded to, Indian lenders, you would basically break them down into two categories. Indian lenders offering collateral loans and Indian lenders offering collateral free loans. So banks offer collateral loans, which also come with the taxation benefit. NBFCs, uh, where Gyanthan is also an NBFC in addition to being a marketplace. NBFCs and private banks also offer collateral free loans, wherein you don't have, wherein your assessment is primarily on the basis of the program that you are enrolling into, on the basis of your credentials. Coming to the international lenders, typically international lenders only have collateral free loan options. Some of them don't even require a co-applicant for you to be uh, to for you to apply for a loan. That is very very beneficial for a lot of students. In the international lender space, predominant players are I would say comparable to Indian NBFCs or Indian private banks that look at your future employability, 
to assess what kind of loans you should get. Right. So, how does one choose between an Indian and an overseas lender? Sure. So, uh, I think uh, I'll take it a step back and again go back to the first point that we discussed was around what are the different aspects students need to consider. So, really, it boils down to hey, do you have the flexibility of choosing different options? What kind of a loan product are you looking for? Are you are you comfortable paying a higher rate of interest, or are you do you need that? grace period that we were talking about where you don't require to pay any emis or you're comfortable take, making some small emis uh, during the period of study so there are multiple different factors that you would have to consider uh, before deciding whether you want to apply for an internal lender or an international lender and which specific lender the simplest answer i can give, give to the folks really is you can look at marketplaces like yandan which what happens in, at a marketplace like yandan is there are multiple lenders we've partnered with and we specifically identify what kind of a loan product would be best suited for you as a candidate and then help you process that loan application with that particular lender in case you are already aware of these processes and you know which lender you can go you want to go ahead with you can also apply to that lender directly the benefit of applying through a marketplace might be that the fact that in addition to identifying the right lender they will also help iron out any issues that you might face during the application process Right. So, in a sense, you look at the comfort level of the student, the requirements of the student, and the capability of the student to pay back, and then decide the kind of lender you want to approach. Yes. So, so let me uh, again simplify it by saying, when a customer comes to us, what we'll understand is are two critical factors. One is, hey, what is the timeline that they are looking at? Do they need a loan in the next five days? Do they need a loan in the next ten days? Or are they comfortable with the loan application being? resolved in the next 30 days or so so that's the first thing we will want to understand then we'll want to understand what their profile looks like what does their credit history looks like do they have a co-applicant or not do they have a collateral or not and more importantly also try to understand what kind of programs are they going to because one thing i didn't touch upon is very critical is depending on the program that you are enrolling into that could have a big bearing on what kind of loans you would be eligible for So, for, to give a quick example, if you're going for a MBA in a top B school abroad, these days there are options from Indian lenders as well, when you can get loans up to seventy lakhs or seventy-five lakhs without any collateral. So, really trying to understand what your future employability looks like, what kind of programs have you enrolled into, and then mapping them with your urgency to figure out, hey, which would be the best product suited for you. So, as a student, I would say that you know a, a student should just evaluate which lender is giving them more favorable terms in taking into consideration their course and their repaying you know capacity, and then take a call on which lender they would want to go ahead with. Absolutely, like I, I I always maintain that there is no one right answer, or there is no one right answer for all students. For every student, there could be a different lender that has the best product. Right. So, whichever terms and conditions suit you the best is what the students should go ahead with. Exactly. And Ankit, what would be your, you know, parting tips for students and families who dream of their children getting an overseas education? How should they plan their finances and build an education corpus? Sure. So, uh, students should. Uh, I mean, specifically when you talk about families, people should start planning for higher education much earlier. Like I can talk about my daughter; she's just two years old. But uh, the idea is, this is a great time for you to start building a corpus, right? I mean, there is no. Uh, I mean, you can always start as early as possible. But the idea is, if you start early, the idea, the planning really is, you could start investing in in SIP, wherein you can start parking some amount of your additional funds on a monthly basis in an equity-heavy SIP program, 
and then as as and when your child your son or daughter is coming close to the period where they would be traveling overseas for higher education you can start parking a lot of those funds away from equity based funds to more like debt based funds and then you can at that point in time be in a better position to evaluate hey what is the additional amount i would need to cover up for the deficit in funds obviously if you have a child who is in the teens or going next year or there are there are pauses then the need for an education loan increases significantly but the idea really would be to start planning early and if you are planning early then start making exposure to equity which could give you a higher return in the longer term right thank you ankit that was i think really helpful for our listeners and those who are planning to go overseas and take education loans thank you so much for your insights thanks to thank you ankit it was a pleasure having you on our podcast if you have any more questions for ankit on overseas education loans or have any questions on building an education corpus drop in your comments on twitter by tagging me my twitter handle is namrita patel 06 n a m r a t a p a t e l 06 that's all from today's episode of why not mint money thank you for tuning in This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.